0: Welcome to Polly Pages. Books. <laughs> the podcast where genuine poly people read the texts that have shaped our community and culture. I'm Claire.
1: And I'm Sebastian. And on this season, we're reading The Ethical Slut 3rd edition by Janet Hardy and Dossie Easton. I'll come when I'm ready.
0: Don't lock the door. Take me in.
1: Hi Claire, where are you? Hi
0: Sebastian. I'm in Dhaka in Bangladesh, capital city of Bangladesh. Where are you?
1: I'm still in Boston. I was traveling (laughs) for a bit, but we didn't record. And I've made it back to Boston now.
0: And in this episode, we are reading chapter 17, Making Agreements. What did you think of the chapter as a
1: whole? I had no major problems with the chapter as a whole. I thought it was a good chapter. Um, I thought it was pretty well laid out organizationally and yeah, I liked it. There's a couple of examples that I disagreed with in it. I'm sure we'll get to them. Um, and I, I think it's a very personal individual thing, making agreements. So there's definitely going to be stuff that we're going to talk about that probably other people will disagree with, but overall, yeah, good chapter and important.
0: Well, that makes one of us.
1: <laughs> but you don't like any agreement in anything.
0: Um, no, I didn't. I don't I don't mind the chapter. I just think it comes at um, the process of making agreements in relationships from like a very didactic position. Like the philosophy behind it was not made explicit and was not one that I agreed with. So the whole way the, through my first reading, I was like, why is this not landing for me? And then I realized it's because I just think about, like this is coming almost... From a place of like you have an existing relationship and you're trying to open it up which is what they do in the next chapter i think um but it's kind of very much like preempting that as opposed to coming at it like you're an individual how do you make agreements with multiple people um so yeah as we go through i'll pull out examples of where they've done that but it just something about it didn't like sit super great um, what I will say is that in this part of the book, we're moving out of things that are inside people and about people like boundaries and jealousy, which are, you know, to a certain extent, like individual things, right? Like they they're, they live within the person that is reading this and more into like a collaborative, um, activity, like making agreements as a verb. And it's something you have to do necessarily with one or multiple people.
1: I agree with that. I definitely noticed, and I think I wrote a note, that this section, and especially this one, is really not an individual thing anymore. It's about people. And I, I guess I take your point, and I had written some notes, actually, where a lot of this is coming from like a couple's perspective, how to branch out. Um, so it, it's a little vague. I figured we'd talk about something, because I even put some notes on, like, this is this is not or I disagreed with some stuff that came at it purely from that approach, just because I think it, it locks it into a really narrow way of thinking about it. I, I do think... Well, that's fine. Um, I do think this book was targeted based on the timeline and the perspective they're coming from of couples who are opening up their relationships. So I think we've seen this before, the way that this is colored, the, the way that they've written this book. I still think, though, that overall the... The sort of backbone that they talk about in terms of making agreements in this chapter is really valuable to anybody you just have to restructure some of the stuff that they say depending on how you're going about this
0: which i guess is why we're here
1: so that that's that's why we have this job
0: they begin with trying to explain what an agreement actually is and i think they do uh, an okay job what is from your reading of this first couple of pages what would what you what would you define an agreement
1: as so i mean the way that they define what a agreement is and the, the way that i took it out is i think they made a really important distinction of of what is the difference between an agreement and a rule and making it really clear that those are different things and this comes back to what you said before about it being between two people a rule is something that's put on somebody or it's like a hard line around something whereas an agreement is something that's negotiated and they're going to talk about this later, but an, an agreement has this idea of consent and informed discussion between people that you collaboratively agree on a set of guidelines.
0: So I'm going to read directly from the book. They use the word agreements to describe mutually agreed upon conscious decisions, flexible enough to accommodate individuality, growth, and change. I thought that was pretty good. They don't explicitly say that it's um, what a rule is, and they, they don't do that in boundaries either, The previous like chapter 10 Um, but essentially I think of what they say here is that rules have hard edges and agreements sometimes feel a little bit fuzzy they can sometimes feel you like feel a little bit um, intangible Um, whereas uh, obviously their rule is like you can't do something and I think continuing with the theme from last chapter um, it's not okay for you to to tell people what they can and can't do Um, I think we would make another really important distinction, which is about explicit and implicit agreements. So there are some like unspoken rules that we learn, um, like through our culture about what are like agreed upon ways to act in society. Um, so for example, they, they use the examples here that they, you don't, what do they say? You don't kiss your mailman. You don't tip your mother. (laughs) Um, good examples and I again I love any time they make this culturally specific because that's that's part of the work of unpacking um the way that relationships work is being conscious of the way that our culture influences them so they begin by talking about like these implicit agreements about behavior um I guess you could also think this is part of the social contract and social contract theory I'll put some links about like introductions to that theory but it's it's quite interesting, um, <laughs> and then they the, then they, you know they're saying um, if if you're going to be doing something that like I mean they don't say if you really care about it, but basically I think if you really care about doing something that's different from what you've just been handed through your culture as being like culturally appropriate, then you need to like not take those uh, agreements about behaviour for granted you need to make them an explicit part of a discussion and that's what the is. oh wait wait i have something else to add okay um i did do a little bit of other research about what other um sort of like key poly sources use as a definition for an agreement so i'm just going to um to read out one of the ones that i liked it's a situation in which people share the same opinions and vision that is an agreement So whilst in this book, they're talking about it as like a practice, a verb, like a doing word, making agreements. um, In some other literature that I found, they talk about it as like a space that you are living within an agreed space. And that's um, like existential space. And I think that's also quite helpful, especially when they start talking about consent in the next section, because it's about basically you can't have an agreement if you don't agree. (laughs) It's just a mint. That's not even a word. So yeah, let's talk about consent. Again, this is like the fifth time in the book. I'm liking how consent heavy this book is. Um, How do they define it in this book, Sebastian?
1: Can I just say something really quickly before we go to consent? They have an example in here about two of their friends that they use to illustrate agreements and how agreements change. And we've just skipped it over. And I'm fine with that because I did not love this example.
0: Yeah, to be honest with you, um, I also didn't like any of the examples in this chapter, and I'm perfectly fine with ignoring every single one of them. <laughs> um, what, what did you not like about it, though?
1: I just, it doesn't really have anything to do with, like, how you arrive at agreements or how they're like, we made an agreement, and then later, the agreement changed.
0: Yeah, which is helpful to point out that agreements can change, but um,
1: it not... Didn't, it didn't need a five-paragraph not. story about it. I Even did that one sentence. About, we made an about agreement; it changed. Fair. Yeah, it was like, "What is the there's <laughs> a renaissance fair? There was a hand-fasting ceremony.
0: There's a, there's another summer's fair. I don't know what's happening. There are multiple characters. It's basically like a short story. It's like
1: it's, it's like a parable <laughs> that didn't need to exist to teach us a lesson. Um, and apparently, twenty years later, their agreements have worked. And I was like, "Great, this is not helpful." Anyway.
0: Great. Could you please tell us how you made them because that's the right, point like, like, of this discussion. What chapter. <laughs> was the
1: discussion about that you got to the agreement, and how did they evolve, and why? Anyway, so we're going to ignore some of these examples, and instead we're going to move on to the next section, which is about consent.
0: Yes, the active collaboration for the pleasure and well-being of all concerned. I love this definition of consent.
1: That's a really good definition. I like it. To...
0: I'm going to say it again: the active collaboration for the pleasure and well-being of all concerned. I love it. Where was this in? Was this in the consent chapter? I don't think it was. This is a fantastic line. I've highlighted it in like four
1: different colors. It's, it's the best definition I've seen. Um, um, I don't remember them using this particular definition before. I feel like we would have remembered.
0: Because it's so good. Um, so to achieve the kind of, to achieve this kind of active of consent, everyone involved must accept responsibility for knowing their own feelings and communicating them. And that is kind of a huge prerequisite. And um, I feel like it was very smart to put this at the beginning because it, it's true. I agree with them. But it also means like if you haven't achieved this, this level of like driving your own emotional machine, maybe, maybe go back chapters maybe put this back on the shelf for a little bit because if you don't have those like personal skills that we spoke about in like boundaries and jealousy chapters specifically um, it's going to be really hard to uh, sort of put forward the, what, what you want from that space and or to collaboratively make an agreement that works for your needs because you won't have the ability to know what those are or feel confident communicating them. So I liked that that was put in pretty early. They even say, like, if you don't have these strategies in place, go back to chapter 15. I do think that aside from making agreements about uh, polyamory and multiple relationships, it's quite empowering when you start thinking about anything as a choice instead of a chore. Like, I personally really bought at any kind of, like, you know, authoritative, like what you can and can't do rules, I guess is one of the ways that you could call them those things. Like I don't like being told what I can and can't do. And I don't really accept it in pretty much any way space in my life. Um, but once you, once you enter, like negotiate how you're going to, going to do that thing or uh, engage with that topic, it becomes like a choice that you're making. I'm actively choosing to be part of this. And that is in itself quite empowering. So I think that is something that they are trying to get through with that. Well, they don't. Do you feel like that comes across in this chapter, or do you feel like I'm reading that into it? I would have liked to see that like clearly stated. Like the added bonus of having consent is that it's not. It doesn't just make the agreement possible; it makes people like enthusiastic about, about the agreement.
1: Um, I think you're reading into it a little bit. I don't think they say that explicitly. Definitely not. But I do think you know oh, I'm this...
0: saying it explicitly.
1: Yeah. Through this, though, they talk about active collaboration. Um, they do have a line at the end of this consent section that basically says the single most important thing to remember is that the purpose of our agreement is to find a way in which everybody can win, which also sort of touches on what you're saying, but it's not quite as explicit as getting everybody enthusiastic.
0: Oh, that's so interesting because I actually highlighted this and wrote disagree, but we can come on to this because I think that's some stuff that we just gone past actually. So... One yeah. of the things I mean, that I they do say about through, but... um, you know, part of accepting responsibility for knowing your own feelings and communicating them is just a reminder that it's okay to ask for help, to ask for reassurance. Um, it's okay to, for it to be kind of difficult uh, because that's difficult to accept responsibility for your own feelings and communicate them well. Um, and then they give, I think, what I've put down here as some anti-agreements. So any of these activities that I will now list, which I've drawn out, is going to stop any kind of negotiation from happening in good faith, and therefore no agreement can be reached if any of these are happening. So blaming, manipulation, bullying, moral condemnation, ammunition to win an argument, and legalistic hair splitting, which is when you're like picking, picking and trying to find a loophole. Do you have any others to add to that list?
1: No, I think those are... I I pulled those out as well. Um, And they all go... I had sort of legalistic hair splitting as separate from blaming, manipulation, bullying, the first ones. Uh, Because I thought of that as sort of trying to make agreements, but make yourself loopholes and find ways to... Basically, if we're saying that making agreements and having consent is about active collaboration for the pleasure and well-being of all concern right so trying to to hair split which they're saying is like you know nitpick at the that the agreement that you've made to get around it in some way goes right against that so i thought of legalistic hair splitting is more like a way to try to circumvent it versus things that are going to go around it's like you've made it an agreement and now but i'm going to try to get around it now versus everything else was like trying to push people to make an agreement that they don't want
0: oh i see yeah okay i accept that that uh that distinction. Okay. One of the things that I liked also in this was that um they say here agreements do not have to be equal. People are different and unique. Um and I thought this was like quite important um because I think it's the kind of thing where if you're in a couple, you're making a, an agreement that might be more important for one of the people in the couple than it is for someone else in different ways. But you also, and this is not how I think they meant it, but I, how I read it, Agreements between your partners also don't have to be equal. So for example, uh, one person might find it very important that, you know, I stay over. Whereas another person might actually prefer to sleep alone. Or one person might want to know loads about my other relationships. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I want to hear loads about theirs. So that means that when you're you're making these agreements, it's not kind of about finding the thing that's going to work for both parties and all parties involved. It's about finding the thing that's going to sort of like um, work for you and that person and all the other people in your little polyfuel. Um, I thought that 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 was a really nice bit. And then they went and ruined it with this story about Bill. Another fantastic story. What did you think about, about the statement agreements do not have to be equal?
1: I highlighted that a lot and I, I liked it a lot. And I, I agree with your interpretation. I think it's a really important thing to keep in mind because I think there is some inclination in people. And this is tangential evidence just from, from seeing other people's discussion of this. But for rules to be really equivalent. Yeah, right? rules. If you do, right, for and but people structure this or like agreements as rules that everybody has to follow.
0: I think that's the difference between a rule and an agreement, right? Like that's that's a good example of the difference.
1: Right. And I also agree with you that your agreements between different partners are going to look different. And I think that turns into a sticking point on a, that. That can become one of the biggest challenges in this, right? Is if you have a, a set of agreements with one partner and a different set of agreements with another partner, and navigating that and how one partner or another may feel about that.
0: Can you think of a, an example in our life?
1: Um, can I think of an example in our life? Probably. Where, where you have some sort of, where one of us has a different agreement with a partner than we do with each other, for example.
0: Yeah. Or um, between the two of us, we have an agreement that's, you know, is, is unequal between us two, which I think is how they're talking about it in the book is more within a couple i'm just taking it and becoming an anarchist
1: <laughs> a different an agreement that's different between like where one of us treats a certain thing differently yeah
0: I'm trying to think of the there one. must
1: be and yet i can't think of something mm, the closest thing i can think of is is about texting It's about check-ins sometimes like if we go out on dates though you've changed with this recently i think earlier on when when you were going out on dates, I really appreciated, And we sort of had an agreement that you would check in at some point, especially on new dates. Whereas I don't ever feel like you were as concerned about that though. Lately you seem to check on me more. So that's evolved.
0: That's a really good, that's a really good example. And then I, I thought of one between different like unequal agreements between partners, which is I have a partner who doesn't really want to meet my other partners. And I also have partners that want to meet whenever possible, my other partners. And I'm like, okay, I can do, I can do both those things. <laughs> Did you just put your hand up to indicate that you were one of those two parties?
1: Yeah, that's something that comes up later and, and I had highlighted it as something that I'm all for meeting everybody. I like, I like that more, I like, the, I like the kitchen table poly like, vibe. For
0: those that don't know, kitchen table poly is?
1: Where everybody in, in the extended polycule would be happy to sit around the kitchen table together and have breakfast and chat regardless of their particular relationship to each other
0: cool thanks for thanks for defining let's move on so they say i think one of the things that i i disagree with the next agreements for an open relationship might start with lists of what they call thou
1: shalt nots i think this should be called agreements to open up your relationship
0: yeah that would because be because i good. think they're
1: coming at it from that's where they're coming at this from again right is you have a couple, they want to open up. And how do you do that? And from that context, I believe that. I, I would imagine that as you're doing that, you start with a lot of things that you can't do to put limits on how you're opening it up and then you branch those out until you reach a point. I don't think any of this is relevant to us.
0: They refer to it here as negative agreements, but I would actually say those aren't agreements. Uh, those, are, those are rules. You're saying to somebody else what they can and can't do. It it sounds more like a something that needs to be enforced. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't feel like you know that the space in which you're in which all the people share the same opinions and visions. It doesn't sound like agreement to me. Um, but I guess for some people it can be helpful to have restrictive agreements between them, uh, and they do get into a little bit about why why that might be they they say that having a sense of emotional safety um that's that's quite important to people when they're opening up their relationship and i can imagine it would be but again it it just doesn't it doesn't sit well with what how they speak about agreements before this point i think you're right if this had been a a subheading agreements for opening your relationship or even moved to the next chapter i would have been happy with this but yeah, at the moment, I, di- I don't really like this whole section. Uh, they also have a really weird example here.
1: Oh, just before the example, though, I mean, the sentence that they have here, which I think addresses kind of your concern is, we think the best agreements to protect your partner from emotional pain are positive rather than restrictive. Which is, which is what I'm taking from this is that throughout this, an agreement is this positive thing, things we're going to do together as part of our relationship. Like, our relationship is going to do this.
0: Yeah, we have a shared vision and goal of this relationship, of this space, and this is, this is how I want it to work. It's how you want it to work. Good, we're in agreement. Let's make, well, let's live in that agreement. Um.
1: So I think they're, they're making the same point that you are, though, is that these negative agreements, putting limits and stuff, rather than just having a shared vision, are not the best, but they can sometimes be a jumping off point to figure out what those positive agreements you are, you want are. So maybe you start with like, only you, you can't go out on a date unless we talk about it. And later this opens up to like, you just have to let me know if you're out. And then at some point, maybe the agreement is just, we will always, you know, we will go on a date at least once a week and then everything else, you, you know, it sort of grows.
0: Right, but in only the, in those examples, only the last two sound like agreements to me. the ones where it says you can't do something, like maybe if you phrase it like, we agree to always inform each other prior to going out with somebody new we agree on that level of communication maybe, but saying you can't do something this thou shalt not that they talk about in this part of the book, that's not an agreement to me. I, I just I disagree that that is agree. <laughs> I disagree.
1: I mean, I guess my, my reading is just that it's not, I mean, that's sort of, to me, more of an argument of a semantic because the, the flavor that I'm taking from it is more like a a mutual, we will not do this without informing each other, or we will not go on dates either of us except on Saturdays when it's when we go off. This wrapped up that section and then we move on to the next one, which is short, called Making a Space for Difference. It kind of ties back to they they touched on this briefly before about how relationships can be like agreements between different relationships can be different. And I think that ties into this. Which is they're saying that by making these by by opening by having multiple relationships you can explore different agreements uh with different people so that your, your one person, for example, say, might want recreational sex or one-night stands or want to go out to play parties. Somebody else might want to stay home and snuggle. Somebody ma- might really want some sort of secondary-type relationship, and somebody might want a really intense relationship. As you negotiate these agreements, right, and as you have the option to, to, to make multiple agreements with different people that is consensual throughout, it gives you this opportunity to explore different and new things. Again, this is a theme that we've talked about through all, but this is putting something tangible around it.
0: I liked in this section as well, they, they mentioned BDSM. I'm kind of surprised it's taking them many pages to do that. Cause I feel like BDSM and kink community have such a good track record with how you negotiate scenes and that's basically agreements. I'm surprised that they don't that they mention only BDSM here and then immediately walk away from it. Um, but yeah, I liked it. Next, they have some agreements. Um, that's the name of the, of the section. Basically, though, it's just a list of examples, uh, which I actually really appreciated because I feel like it's missing up until now. It all sounds quite abstract, and this is like actual examples. Before they list them, I would just highlight they have one great sentence here. Which is everyone or everybody has to make some agreements about sexual health and safe sex. The only type of agreement you have to do explicitly. And I was like, yes. Maybe what I was thinking is we could read through these just on, in us, like, like right now. And then you can tell me which ones you liked and which ones you didn't like.
1: Um, it's amazing that you've asked for that because as I read through this, I marked the ones with like a check mark or an X or a question mark to dis- to dis- to delineate how I felt about them.
0: Okay, right, so why don't you, let me just, I need to reread them.
1: Just discuss them one by one as we go, because if we go through the whole. I
0: do know, we J- just, there's loads, the guys, there's like... <laughs> there's like, there's like a dozen of them. Let's just pick out a couple of the ones that, that you really liked. What... How... how many did you tick? Was this how many did you cross?
1: Uh, I checked on two that I liked. Three. Two and a half, and then there was two and
0: a half. Okay, what what were they? That's that's enough for us to talk about.
1: Um, so one that I liked is we will check in to confirm safety after I get together with a new partner. The other one I liked was we establish quality time with one another. And then the third one that they had was that I sort of liked was we don't take off the rings that symbolize our relationship. Um, which I sort of broaden because we we're not married, so we don't have rings, but it's. I don't hide my relationships. Right. My relationships are part of me. And if, if I enter a new relationship, like that all is out on the table. So I, I like that one with the caveat that it's not ring specifically.
0: Okay. I like those. Um, I think I, I didn't tick or cross them, but I did highlight one and I was like, i would be livid if this is like because it's a whole it's a whole thing and we're not going to go into it now but there was the one penis policy on here yeah there's one here agreement other partners must be a specific gender and i was like i wrote next to it one penis policy my ass
1: i put a big x on that i was like that's no fun we like all the genders
0: uh we we will have to do like a bonus episode about what the one penis policy is but for new listeners the one penis policy is, is basically what it sounds it's an agreement within a heterosexual relationship that um the woman can date other women
1: are there any other ones you want to highlight mm. the other one i thought was funny for us is we always spend the night together except when one of us is traveling and i was like that's not even realistic
0: think any of them really like jumped out at me for like a positive reason I like I like your version of the ring one like we we do not hide our other relationships like I think that's that's quite nice I think I also like we must reach agreements about who is too close to have sex with so like having basically having protective space your, your partner's kind of like social circle I think that that's that's something that in, implicitly I think it's one of the like the backbones of of any relationship is like like for example you would never date like my brother
1: for a number of reasons
0: right (laughs) for many reasons but yeah but like you know i think it's i like i like what that agreement does is kind of support this notion of like your partner is their own person with their own social structure of support and love and you're only like allowed to engage with that on terms that they're agreeing with
1: I will just add for people I did a little more research I'm not going to add more to this list but you can find if you google polyamory agreements you can find a host <laughs> I was curious what would come up you can find a ton of stuff some of it seemed kind of crap some of it was interesting but if you're at a stage where you're trying to come up with agreements and negotiate these for the first time and you need a little bit more guidance or you want something to spark your discussion there's stuff out there There's everything from, like, simple things like this or, like, sentences to I found literally, like, a a relationship contract from the 90s on a website from the 90s. Oh,
0: my goodness. Right. I've kind of made, like, a subheading over, like, the next three sections, which is, like, I put in here, like, some conditions, which are, like, things to consider about, like, they're good, like, reminders when you're making an agreement. And the first one of these is predictability. Obviously, for some people, being predictable is uh Incredibly hard at me. It's me. I'm talking about me. <laughs> but not having any sense of predictability can be incredibly stressful. Especially again, they're couching this in open re- like a relationship that is just opening. It can be really hard for people that are new to open relationships because sometimes our close intimate relationships are the backbone of our stability. So we're more sensitive, I think, to so when those become. Um, sort of a little bit, a little bit more unpredictable. Like that, I also highlighted here, Um, you've actually mentioned it, but, but like having protected time. So if you're feeling that planning takes much of the spontaneity out of your life, then think about declaring one night, one weekend, a month or something to, to be unpredictable like within that space. Do you have anything to add on this section?
1: I very much like predictability. It's probably- How are we together? One of the, the <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's definitely one of the things that's caused tension in our relationship at times um, because you can be very unpredictable and that shifts around and I'm much happier when things are, it's much easier for me when things are predictable, but we have also found ways to navigate that because we've made good agreements and we've talked about it.
0: What are some of the example agreements that have helped us to, to create a space that's both unpredictable and predictable? <laughs> You
1: think of any? Usually, it seems like we 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 have gotten better over time at agreeing on carving out time, especially when you're traveling more for work. Making sure, sort of, setting aside times and making sure that we stick to those, for example, um, and communicating about availability. I think is something that we've we've worked on, and I've also on the flip side of that because we've been doing this for quite a while now gotten better at 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 understanding the unpredictability and either having this sort of structure and agreements of I can ask if I need some more predictability in certain situations and also in not interpreting it badly and becoming more comfortable with it as part of our relationship
0: I was going to say that like I don't think that our relationship has become more predictable at all I think you've become better at dealing with it not being predictable, and I think part of that is because uh, we've been together quite a long time now, and maybe you just take a lot of time to be secure in in this connection and, and this space uh, that that this relationship provides you with. But I actually like I think that's quite I think that's quite important to mention because the agreements and they they say this at the end of the chapter, but i'm gonna I'm gonna bring it here. the agreements are um, not the thing that's gonna take care of you. It's you that takes care of you. Like you have got so much better at this particular thing. It used to be a huge sticking point. And now I don't feel like we've had an argument about this in like four months at this point, five months. I can't even remember when the last one was, but like a number of months. So that's really not because I've become more predictable. I mean, I've been in uh, four continents (laughs) in the last four months. Um, or something like that. Yeah, four. Yeah, four. <laughs> um, so it's definitely not because I've become more predictable or our relationship has become more predictable. I think that you just have become a lot better at it, um, at, at dealing with it.
1: Which comes back to their point earlier on, which that agreements change over time. And they say somewhere else, I don't know where it is, but basically as you get more comfortable in these agreements, you sort of broaden out, you may not even need them anymore because you don't bump up against them. So look, we're, we're a case study on this. It's great.
0: Oh my God, so good. Okay, the other consideration that they have here is what is the emotional cost? And I actually really disliked the use of the word cost in this section, because essentially what they're talking about is, what well, the cost that they're talking about here, ding, ding, quote mark, cost, um, is what you risk feeling that might be difficult or painful. And I would probably not want to use the word cost because I feel like that has connotation with the starvation economy. Like the idea is like you're you're losing something that you can't get back. And if I'm gonna, if this is gonna cost me this, then what am I getting back for it? It becomes quite transactional, which we're trying to avoid. I'm actually surprised they use this word. I think I'd prefer to talk about the emotional stress.
1: Burden is the word I would use, but I-
0: Burden, nice. I like burden as well. And I think it's not transactional.
1: Right. I don't, and I don't think though. Just to be clear, I don't think that their use of cost is to imply something transactional. I think it's just a poor word choice.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Because
1: I think that what they're ta- what they're talking about is the emotional burden on each person. They just have used this word cost, and which is a word that people use in this context a lot. I just I think that when you're talking about something like this and being intentional, you need to be intentional about the language that you use too.
0: Agreed. So what what they're saying here is that an agreement. Um, might sometimes be difficult or painful to, to both come to and also maybe even to sustain. Um, that could be the, what we talk about as the emotional burden. I like your term better.
1: Um, well, and they also talk about, I mean, what they're, the other thing they're saying here is that one part of this is to help you make an agreement is to consider in certain situations or things that you're trying to do, how it's going to impact each of you emotionally so, for example, I think what they're talking about, again, is opening up a relationship. We want to open up and go on dates. If you go on a date, what's going to... You know, how is that going to make me feel? And then what are the things that we can do? It's very dyadic, and it, it's not great.
0: I hate how didactic it is. Yeah. I also don't don't think that someone else's emotions are really your responsibility
1: at all. But I'm going to give you the flip side which is, It is, but again, you're you've said this before you're you you've always been very solo poly and relationship anarchist and treated yourself as an independent entity and in a in other relationship dynamics that's part of other relationship dynamics is is a little bit more of a
0: i don't know i i just feel like this doesn't sit super well with that book like aside from me in my opinion i don't think that like the stuff they've said about owning your emotions and and you're you know taking ownership of, of What's difficult, and then communicating that. Obviously, if if I'm like, like let's use this example we just had about me checking in on dates to basically, um, you know, telling you I'm safe. Um, the emotional burden for me is pretty low, but it means an awful lot for you. The emotional burden of me not doing it and doing its basically the same thing. But for you, it would be a huge emotional burden if I didn't. So that's how the agreement comes out. But, that, but at the same time, it's not my responsibility to make sure that you don't feel the emotional burden of my actions. That's your responsibility. Just that, and I think that that is in line not just with the way that I think about this, but in, in line with some of the things that they've said in the book previously. But maybe I'm just trying to make them agree with me. So I'm bending this. <laughs> I just want a relationship anecdote.
1: But I agree with you that you have to write it. They even say that in here. If if you are have no emotional cost in any agreement, maybe you're a brilliantly talented slut who's never had emotional difficulty with any partners and you, in which case, we're looking forward to reading your book.
0: Okay, they're snarky. They're, they're sassy. I see you, Hardy. I
1: wrote sassy on the side of that sentence.
0: Oh, God, I didn't know. I sassy I didn't there. Even clock that the first read through. Uh, okay, the next thing that they I kind of am lumping into this consideration section is entitled on veto power do you want to quickly explain what veto power is
1: sure and i have some thoughts on veto power so veto power is the idea that and again this comes from a very like opening your relationship thing generally couple relationship but that each person in the relationship has a veto power to veto something that the other person is doing so for example we're in a relationship, you're going to go on a date with somebody. And I'm like, mm, I don't like that guy. No. And that's it.
0: Yeah. So I should say that veto comes from the Latin, which literally means I forbid. The, so that's what veto means. It's the ability to forbid someone else from doing in this situation, certain sexual romantic connection. And then I now want to know what you think about it. What are your thoughts about the veto power?
1: I don't like it, and one of the reasons I don't like it is something they talk about here, which is they're like, well, then you can get into the situation where you're just vetoing everybody because you're not actually comfortable with this this situation to begin with, and that's not good. And they point out that you know people who are going to want to veto everybody, like you need to, you haven't done the work to get here. You haven't dealt with unlearning jealousy. You haven't dealt with dealing with conflict or anything else. And so you're just finding everything threatening and you're just putting a kibosh on it. They're like, nope, 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 nope.
0: Okay, I wanna read directly from the book. Go for it. Um, Basic slut ethics should not allow you to abuse veto power to prevent your partner from having sex with anyone at all by vetoing everybody. A strategy that may seem tempting because until you unlearn jealousy, all outside engagements can look very threatening. And I wrote on the side, couples, privilege, all the way through this, but then that makes sense. You could only veto things. You're assuming the primacy of a couple. Otherwise, yeah, I, I've never encountered anyone who tried to veto uh, my actions, sexual or otherwise, and, um, and managed to. <laughs> I've, had, I've had relationships where someone has tried to float this and I've been like, "That's no, I veto the veto power.
1: Right, and I don't think that's sustainable, and it's it's a very like power-trippy sort of thing. Though I will say, I guess, I mean, they say veto power can be reassuring, and if this is how you've decided to structure this in your relationship, and you're doing it, then I'm not going to tell people how to live relationships, I just don't think I, I, appre- I like it.
0: Okay. okay, I wanted to speak to that, because I'm comfortable with making this statement, I think, which is, if you are in a relationship where you need the veto power in order to um, be navigating the opening up of your relationship, stop dating because I'm the people you're dating, and it hurts to be in the beginnings of a relationship or even in a relationship with somebody and then find out that that um, the the primary couple that you're coming from has the power to basically forbid your, you to contact me, forbid you to do things with me. It is so. Like, uh, I've never had this happen from a partner, but I've had this happen where their partner, my metamor, I feel like, has used it. If you are in a relationship where you still need the veto power as, like, your crux to be able to date, stop dating. It's hurting the rest of us. <laughs> it's, it upsets me a lot. Like, I think if you still needing to use veto power, as they say, like, go back, do more work. Stop. Stop like hurting other people through this because it's it's toxic for the third people the third parties involved
1: can i i want to just i have a couple more thoughts to sort of wrap up the veto section but i take your point and that's a that's a good answer
0: yeah sure i'm kind of, a, of so, now
1: um <laughs> one of them is my thought on 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 veto power which is i don't think you should be able to just tell somebody no i think you can express a concern to somebody and they can do what they want with it and that's part of your agreements of being able to, to be honest. Um, but lastly, they have this point, which I think is really good is what happens if somebody decides if you get vetoed and then you, the, this is basically what you said, actually. So I don't need to say this again. You said, if somebody tried to veto you, you're just like, nah, but they, they phrase it as the vetoer has two choice. They can either suck it up and keep going or walk away from the relationship. Right. If, if, if you veto somebody and then they're like, no, I, I deny your veto.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing to backpedal from.
1: <laughs> which they point out is the same as in any other relationship. If, if, even if you weren't opening up your relationship, if somebody pursues something outside of your relationship, either you figure out how to make it keep working or that's an end.
0: Which kind of nicely draws us into the next section, actually, which is about when there is no agreement. Right, so obviously there there is going to be times where there is this point where you're like, we can't seem to find an agreement here. It might happen more when there's a lot of like emotions running high in a situation, such as opening a relationship or having multiple partners. And so then they give some pointers on this. Um, should we go through the pointers in order?
1: I'm re- I've read this section differently than you.
0: How did you read it?
1: I don't think it's about. I don't think this is about when you can't reach an agreement. I, I think this is about when you've reached a situation that you haven't, a, 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 a situation that um, you hadn't made an agreement about before and now have realized that it's a problem.
0: Oh, I see. Well, either way, this is about...
1: I guess later on, they do talk about how to resolve it.
0: Yeah. So the first one is don't fall into the trap of turning difference into moral arguments. I liked that. I thought it was really clear and concise. You know, we think differently. That doesn't mean one of us is like ethically correct and the other one is ethically incorrect and therefore a horrible person because you know, differences is part of part of living with everybody that isn't you. Definitely is there is gonna be disagreements and differences. I like and I really like that.
1: I like the next sentence, the next section too, which is that remember that you've been living with differences and disagreements with everyone in your life ever since you met them. Yeah. Just because you finally discover it because it comes to light doesn't mean it wasn't there before and for all of this time you've been fine. So in any case, you've been getting along fine without it, a specific agreement about a specific topic. So that doesn't, just because you found a difference, as you said, doesn't mean there has to be an agreement or that it, it's bad. And I think that's another, I think that first part of it, like you've been living with disagreements For a long time with everybody is a really good thing to keep in mind. And it gives you some context, like, okay, cool, but we've been fine for five years. Why is it a big deal now?
0: It kind of reminds me of um in the last chapter where they were talking about like you've been living with feeling the bad parts of jealousy your whole life. Why not try and make it constructive for a little bit? Um, it's the same thing. Like you've been living with like the difficulty of disagreements. Why not use this as an opportunity to try and be constructive? Um so yeah I liked I liked that one as well. Number 2 is let time be your friend. That's the one that I drew out. That's good. Um time time to explore feelings, time to test agreements, time to talk about it with other people, obviously tactfully. Um you know letting and not everything needs to be decided the moment the problem comes up. Everything can be allotted later. <laughs>
1: This comes back to the conflict, the chapter on conflict.
0: Oh, it does. Yeah, good point.
1: And um, they point out here too: you can agree to disagree. You don't actually have to reach an agreement about everything, um, because between the yes, between yes and no, and an agreement, between completely agreeing and disagreeing, there's a whole. The world is not black and white. Relationships are not black and white. You can have a partial agreement. You can have just be, you know, in limbo and just not reach an agreement yet, and. Put it on hold till later you can you know come to some compromise or you can just agree that you're going to be on different pages about this and it's not a big enough deal right like there, there's a lot of ways to approach this you don't it's not a conflict this comes back to what you said of there's not a cost and it's not like a there's no winning or losing here
0: so let's say um that but the other option is that there is no agreement at all it can't be reached and Become intolerable. Um, essentially, you can use the skills. They suggest using the skills that you've learned to try and reach agreement. To also try and like comfortably change or end the relationship without practicing blame, judging, or manipulation. And I quite liked that in this last bit. They're talking about not just ending a relationship, but possibly transitioning, which is um, I th- think quite an interesting further topic that I hope they revisit in this book at some point. Like when you're, when you have a very different idea about relationships, they don't necessarily just have to be like a hundred percent agreement or, or nothing. You can transition. You can um maybe, maybe it's not becoming possible to remain as like sexual partners, but you can still remain friends or you might want to still co-parent, even though you're no longer romantically interest, interested. So um, they, they touch on that here I'm excited to see if they come back to this later in the book
1: um, yeah I, I think it's a really good way to end that I think it's also something we've talked about before that uh, one of the benefits of, of being poly is that you don't have these scripts of relationships end and then they go away they can change and evolve and grow and transform and I like that they highlight that again and then we come to the last section, which is called reaching agreements, which is like what I thought we were doing the whole time working through this just step by step. <laughs> and yet and yet here we are. We made a whole like, why did we need the rest of the book? Really? They, they start with a good place to start is by defining your goals. A goal is not the same as an agreement, but the goal is what you're trying to accomplish. And I think that's good. I think that if you each know your goals and if you can also figure out what your goals are in the relationship, that's a really good starting point to figure out agreements that might be needed or help support the relationship.
0: Okay, so then how do you discover a goal? They say you discover it by tripping over a problem, which I like. Uh, And I like the imagery of that. Problems are not usually anticipated and they're also not usually catastrophic. They're usually little things that roll into your path. You don't see them, and you trip over them. It doesn't mean that the problem is a bad thing, but there you go. You have a problem. You both want to solve the problem. Let's let's try and get to a place where this problem is solved. That's the goal. Um, and I I really liked that that way of of uh, leveraging problems to be constructive, which is a, an ongoing theme right. in the book.
1: Can I just they have a, they have an example sentence here, which I found amusing.
0: Yeah. go ahead
1: as an example of how to trip over a problem, last night when you and Sam were in our bedroom together my feet were freezing and I couldn't get in there to get my bedroom slippers
0: sounds so British also you use the same voice as when you read me Harry Potter
1: yeah it's my reading voice or any book this is my reading voice it's how I read things
0: um I, I liked this and I think that, the, that they don't say this explicitly, but it seems obvious to me that, and I'm gonna mention it, that um, there are many different ways to reach a goal. There are many different agreements that can be made to get to that goal. Um, and so one of them is, you know, you have a second pair of slippers, but maybe another one is we turn up the heating or the other one could be you um, don't have Sam in our bed anymore or like there are many different ways that, that you can reach that goal. And I think this is, this is um, they talk about here getting to the real problem and that's italicized. Ding, ding,
1: real. Well, and I think that's sort of the key takeaway from this about reaching agreements is if you wanna reach an agreement, you need to know what, what you're trying to accomplish with that agreement, right? Is it that your feet are cold and then as you said, get more slippers, turn up the heat, buy socks, or is it that you resent being kicked out of your own bedroom or that you're feeling left out
0: and even if that that is the problem there are still multiple ways to re- Let, let's say you redefine this problem you're like actually the problem is that's my space or that's our space um and you're using it with someone else that i don't have a relationship with there are multiple ways that you can then find an agreement for that maybe it's not about making sure sam never comes around again maybe it's about making sure you spend some one-on-one time with Sam so it's not just some random stranger or so you would feel comfortable enough to go in and pick up your slippers or maybe even get involved. Yeah. Kinky. Mm. Okay. So then, then, then they talk about once you've defined your problem and your goal, you find which of those agreements is the best for you. And I like the idea of having a time-limited trial agreement.
1: You know, this reminds me of also, I think is in, in the conflict section, talking about sort of tabling conflicts for a little bit and then seeing if it comes back up. Like say you bump into something, you trip over a little problem, you put a trial agreement in place, or you, you, you put it on hold. And then if it doesn't come back up again, or if it's not something that's bothered you again, then you know that you've done fine with it or you've, you've addressed it. Yeah. Versus if it keeps happening or something else, or you keep bumping up against this agreement, then, you know, I mean, my take on this whole thing on agreements is that when you make these agreements, they should be things that you're able to both keep to without too much, like having to restructure the way you do things. There are agreements that you've come to that you agree on.
0: Yeah, they don't have to be enforced. They don't feel forced right. in any way. They should be as in line with your natural abilities as right. possible.
1: Like things like, for example, checking in. Your example was really good before, like checking in on a date. Like it, It's something new, but it wasn't really any extra work. So, you know what I mean? Like, things like that. Like, if it's something about, I don't know, like, certain things about shared space or something, then it should be something that's easy to manage in the context of how you're doing your relationships. So, I I think that's just sort of overarchingly something that I wanted to point out.
0: Is there anything else from this reaching agreement section that stuck out
1: to you? Um, There is. Oh,
0: wait, wait, I have one. We have mentioned this, but this is where they explicitly say that um, human beings change, and so do agreements. We've mentioned this a lot, but this is this is the part of the book that where they mention
1: it. They have a couple more examples, and they they use a little story, which I don't want to. I don't the the story was not as bad as some of the other ones. Um, but there's two things. One, apparently Janet at some point had an agreement that she couldn't fall in love with anyone else, which I just think is silly. And they even in hindsight, Janet even admits like this is a silly agreement, right?
0: Yeah. This is a good, this is good. They should have a list of bad agreements as well. That's a bad agreement. That's ridiculous.
1: Maybe we can, we can do that and we can, we can post it somewhere.
0: It's, it's a bad agreement because it's not realistic. Well. um, At, at all. And because it's, it's also not clearly defined.
1: They had another example earlier where they're like, you can't like them too much. And it's like, how do you define too much? But highlighting that was really to bring into this example that they they give this little like Janet story um there's a line at the end of it that I actually that I really pulled out which is agreements that dwelt on measurable factors such as time behavior and space worked better for us where right? you have to have stuff that you can define you know agreements about how you share a certain space about certain times you're going to spend together about if it's certain acts you know certain sex acts or certain scenes that you are only in together or not in or whatever those are tangible things that are like this is a boundary that we've created around ourselves that that we're going to stick in and then it's yes or no whereas love them too much like how much is too much seven loves is too much but six is okay (laughs) you know like you can't you can't measure that um and that was the one other thing that i really pulled out of this was that make them tangible things that you can actually tangible
0: realistic realistic and, and achievable like a smart indicator um okay the final thing that i want to pull out of this chapter is that whilst reaching agreements is um is great uh the work that that you do on yourself is actually the thing that's going to keep you safe and protected in a relationship, knowing your boundaries, having the ability to clearly state when those boundaries are crossed that you're leaving, um, having uh, you know, the ability to manage yourself emotionally, that's actually the stuff that makes the agreements work. And that's the stuff that makes a relationship work. Any relationship, any any relationship in the world. Um so whilst you're using all of those skills to make these agreements, just, you know, remember that your agreements are not taking care of you.
1: You can find Polly Pages on Instagram at Polly Pages. And if you have any questions or comments for us, please feel free to send them to Polly at gmail.com. Our
0: awesome intro and outro music is by Mint Green, and you can follow them on Instagram and Linktree at Mint Green Music. If you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Books.